Hi, welcome back. I'm Kathleen. I'm Kim. And we're the K&K Twins. So welcome to Uncomfortable Conversations, Conversations with the K&K Twins, which is us. Um, so we, as, as you know, we are going through the book Untangling Relationships yes. um, by Pat Springle. Okay. And so we are actually on unit three. So we're starting unit three. And if you remember, there are three core um, perceptions or behaviors of codependence. Okay. Codependency characteristics. The first one was lack of objectivity. Which we did some of that about, work. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the second is the warped sense of responsibility. And that's what we're going to cover in yes. the next few weeks. The third one is control, being controlled and controlling others, okay? Those are the three core perceptions and behaviors. Um, the three emotional results of those behaviors are guilt, loneliness, which can be feel like alienation and um, isolation, hurt and anger. Those kind of go together, the hurt yeah. and anger. Um, so, yeah, so those are the, the six characteristics of codependency. There's three behaviors and three resulting um, emotional um, characteristics. So we spent the last couple episodes talking about what it means to lack objectivity and what it looks like and where it stems from in our relationships with our um, family of origin, whether it's our fathers and mothers or the people who raised us, and how we just don't see ourselves clearly mm -hmm. when we have grown up and are functioning in these co-dependent ways. And so mm -hmm. that, I, I've said a hundred times, is a really hard concept to grasp. It was really, really hard for me to grasp mm -hmm. because I thought I saw myself so clearly. So we really spent a, um, a really a couple of episodes focusing on that. And we'll talk about it more because these things all interweave Intertwine. together. Yep. Sure so do. we're going to keep talking about it. But this is, today is another big one in this, um, this warped sense of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so... Was there anything else we need to talk about last um, week? Oh, I know. Uh, the other thing, well, did I say this? I think the other thing I wanted to say about our relationships that we talked about in the past with our parents, um, our fathers and mothers, really affected how we see God. Yes. Mm -hmm. yep. And the um, behaviors and the, the way we think God sees us. Right. So if whether you have a relationship with God or not, and let's just be real, sometimes we choose not to have relationships with God because we see him or think of him like our earthly parents. Right. Exactly. So it's not a characteristic of God. It's not that God is so mean and bad, but because our dad was not, you know, not our mom or whoever. Right. Yeah. We, we personify that. So we talked about that a little bit. Yeah. So we project that out. For so, sure. Um, one of the other things we touched on last time that I think we all really do need to keep in mind is that as we walk through this, we're sharing material and our answers and our responses to this workbook based on where we were when we started mm. this journey, okay? So over time now, we're going back and looking at this, and I don't want to speak for you, but for me, things have changed. I see things differently. Back then, I did lack objectivity. Back then, I was just um, overwhelmed with anger and hurt and all of those things. So now that I've gone through this healing journey, I mean, we continue the journey. It's not over. I'm not healed, but um, we have healed a good bit. And yes. so now that I'm seeing this, I can look back and see things more about I have a more balanced perspective mm -hmm. I can see my mom more clearly my dad more clearly me more clearly yeah. so it's really important that you understand and I think the um, lack of objectivity is so critical to everything else mm -hmm. so for instance if you're in a relationship 
and your people that are closest to you that care about you the most are saying look I'm concerned about this relationship you know I'm seeing these warning signs these red flags and you're making excuses and justifying and they don't understand him they don't know him I'm the only one that can you know you're codependent yeah and you, you know you, you lack objectivity you can't see that so if someone's trying to bring truth to you and you are resistant to that and you're making excuses for the person that you mm -hmm. know you have an issue with um, you're you're probably codependent and you need to be aware of that so lacking and, and make different decisions yes the people yeah. who are warning you are warning you because mm -hmm. they love you right. and if it's if it's just one person who you don't value or trust mm -hmm. their opinion anyway then you know obviously yeah. that's that's different but if you have several people in your life that are saying the same thing mm -hmm. Um, in different areas of your mm -hmm. life yeah. and you trust them in every other area but now all of a sudden you don't trust them in this mm -hmm. right? that's not them it's you and if they're saying we think you have a drinking problem you probably have a drinking problem yeah it's, and a, it's the same kind of intervention you know you're you know? just yeah it's you're just, just lacking objectivity so it's really critical that we came to terms with the fact that yeah. we do not see it clearly I need someone else to see it clearly for me because yes. I could not see it I'm we're learning we, to. Yeah, we but, are learning to. But even now, we mm -hmm. we share this with what we see in each other because we don't always see it clearly. Mm -hmm. But right. that's, I mean, that you know, we aren't here on Earth to live these independent lives. Right. We are interdependent, um, and which is you know kind of goes against culturally and mm -hmm. in, in America, it goes against kind of how we teach people. Right. But we really aren't supposed we to live without need, each other. Yeah, we kind of need that. Um, we need that transparency and yeah. honesty with somebody. Yeah. So and accountability. Um, and but it's really crucial that if you really do want to heal, it's really important that you do the work. Yeah. You know, when we talk to you about these lessons in this book, do the work. Mm -hmm. You know, stop when we're you know take your notes or whatever, but actually do the work because mm -hmm. that's where the change comes. Absolutely. Us just talking to you isn't going to change. No. You. And do You're it with have, somebody. Yeah. Do it. You know, do it with somebody else. Mm -hmm. So last week we talked about practicing objectivity. Mm -hmm. How did everybody do? How did you do with that exercise? Um, hopefully you have somebody that you trust and care about that loves you and is trustworthy um, for you that you could share that with and walk that with. So, um, and it doesn't have to be another codependent person. Right. You can have a healthy, normal person yeah. in your life that yeah. can help you see those mm -hmm. things. So, um, yeah. So that I'm was. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if people saw areas of their lives that they didn't realize they didn't see mm -hmm. themselves clearly. So I hope you found an area or two where you go, oh my gosh, I thought I thought I did really great in this, or mm -hmm. I thought. I thought this was normal. Yeah, <laughs> well, and see, here's the other side of objectivity or lacking objectivity. We also don't see things that we do great. We don't mm -hmm. see those things either. True. So when you start going, you know what? I actually did pretty good at that. Yeah. Um, that's also seeing things objectively. Right, because there are good things too. Absolutely, So those, those outweigh the bad. Exactly, and we need to be we need to be aware of that. We need to see both sides of it. So, um, so this week we're going to talk about a warped sense of responsibility. This is actually one of the cornerstones of codependency. Absolutely. It's this unhealthy relationship to responsibility that we have. Um, so, what we're hoping to accomplish is to really learn um, to identify and understand the results of a warped sense of responsibility. What does that look like? Learn to identify those results in our own lives. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so feeling responsible, um, often children in a dysfunctional family will become either overly responsible or they'll become irresponsible, okay? Um, so there's a story in the book about a woman named Susan, but I relate to it, so I'm probably going to share a little bit of my story. Um, it's pretty close to Susan's story. Um, but in the book, um, Susan's father ran her household like a boot camp. 
and my dad was a Marine and I always said that he treated us like little recruits and that it was, you know, we were in boot camp all the time. We got, we got demerits, we got, you know, detention. We got, yeah, we got demerits. Wow. Um, we got, you know, all kinds of things. So anywho, um, so what happened, but what he, her dad did over time and what my dad did over time as well is he undermined Susan's mom. Like my dad kind of undermined my mom and her confidence and um, she became more and more passive um, until later when she started, the pendulum started swinging the other way. Um, but she lost confidence her, in her own abilities and opinions. So she really just kind of lost her identity. Mm. And so I saw my mom kind of go through that. And, um, and I did the same thing in my marriage. And mm -hmm. Kim and I have very similar yeah. stories. So um, the Susan in the story was, again, very much like me because I became the overachiever. In order to try and gain some kind of sense of value and worth, um, I became a straight-A student, honor roll student. Um, I did, you know, I did sports. I did everything I could think of to get my dad's attention. He was a Marine. So I thought, well, okay, maybe he'll respect, you know, I'll do gymnastics and I'll be on swim team and I'll run track and, you know, all the things you do to try and get that attention. But my dad was so controlling and our home environment was so restrictive. You know, you were told what to do, when to do, how to do it. You weren't really allowed to have your own opinion. You weren't allowed to make your own decisions. That was just disrespectful. If you, you know, it was never a thing where we had open discussions. If you question anything, it was disrespect. Mm. Um, so what happens is when you get out from underneath that, you rebel. Yeah. You go the opposite end and you kind of go crazy because now there's nobody telling you what to do, when to do, and how to do it. But it can also leave you with a feeling of being adrift. You're just kind of lost. Because I realized one time, and I actually verbalized this to a friend of mine, I said, you know, I was never taught how to make decisions. Mm. I was never allowed to make decisions. And then all of a sudden, okay, you're out of the house now. Go make your own decisions. I don't know how to do that. Every decision had been made for me, the smallest to the largest decision. So I did not develop the skills that the skill set I needed to make good decisions. And if you did try to make a decision, God forbid it was the wrong one, because if you made a wrong decision, you would just get crucified. It was like the end of the world. So it was almost paralyzing. Yeah. Because you're, it was almost where you didn't want to make a decision for fear that it could be wrong. Mm -hmm. And then all hell would break loose. Right. You know, so, um, so anyway, this Susan in the story, um, her, her, um, her brother became irresponsible. Or no, she became irresponsible. And then the brother became overly responsible and took care of the parents. That's who the parents looked to when they needed something because they knew, you know, Susan wasn't going to be there. Susan left home and never looked back. I kind of did the same thing. I left, you know, I left, I moved away halfway, you know, all the way across the country, actually. And um, it was kind of like, don't call me, I'll call you. Mm. And I stayed in touch in the obligatory holiday and birthdays and all of that. Um, but I was just not that interested in going back home, really visiting. There were times where I didn't go back and visit for probably a couple of years. Oh, wow. And I just had no desire to to go back that changed over time mm -hmm. obviously mm -hmm. um i think sometimes those cha things change mm -hmm. when you have your yeah. own children you know right because now you're you've been codependent yeah. for them but um <laughs> you know yeah you're like oh, so you know and then that rebelliousness where you know i started standing up for myself and then there'd be these arguments and these fights and we would or you know it was always a big fight because i was tired of <clears throat> being treated the way i was being treated and i wasn't i was done um but mm. i had to learn that as I did become irresponsible in some areas, that that wasn't serving me well. I really wasn't hurting anybody but me at that point. So I realized, okay, wait, you know, that's not, 
So I kind of went from the super compliant child, getting all straight A's, you know, never being late for work, never or, um, for school and never, you know, never cut, you know, classes or any of that to kind of being kind of crazy and wild and, you know, um, yeah, kind of getting out of control um, until I realized, thank God, I was smart enough to realize before it really became a problem that, you know, drugs, alcohol, partying, all those kinds of things really aren't, they really weren't serving me well. Um, so I kind of made that decision to, to stop those behaviors. But um, That's interesting that you did both. You were the overly responsible mm -hmm. and the irresponsible. Yes. It was and a phase kind of a thing, but still, I did. Yeah. I experimented on that side of it. I yeah. was so tired of the rigidity mm -hmm. and the, you know, the iron and fist so that's of control. That's how I felt as a child. So you as a child kind of tried to fit into that yes, mold Yes, I was over-compliant. I was very you, compliant. And I was like the opposite as a child. So I never felt like I could ever do anything right. So what's the point in trying to do anything right? Why even try? Why even try? So mm -hmm. I, you know, I always did poorly in school because what's the point in, in working mm -hmm. hard when it's never good enough? Mm -hmm. So, um, and you know, I didn't do a bunch of activities for what? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, right. I, I didn't see value in that mm -hmm. um, because I guess I didn't think it would be acknowledged. Like you hoped it would be acknowledged. Right. I didn't think it would be acknowledged. So you didn't even try. So, right. That's interesting. That is interesting. So you see, it can it's be two same, sides of the same coin. It right? is, yeah. And even thinking about, um, like, just, like, I went to college. Um, when I got out of high school, I had a scholarship. And so everything was paid for college. I had, I didn't have to, you know, hardly pay for anything. Um, I think my parents helped me pay for books the first year, but that was it. Um, and I dropped out after the first year. I stopped going to classes. I was kind of partying the whole thing, so I dropped out. Later, I realized, okay, this has to stop. This is a mistake. I got my act together. I went back to college, and it was on my own dime. Now I had to pay for it because yeah. my parents didn't have the money to pay for it. So I paid my own way through college back, you know, back then when it was you know, a little more doable. Um, but, yeah, it was interesting because then I kind of thought, you know what? Nothing matters because, mm. you know, who cares now mm -hmm. and so off mm -hmm. I went and did my thing so yeah. but then I realized that yeah this isn't working <laughs> but and I think it's interesting how different it's interesting to me that how we have the similarities mm -hmm. and still the different responses so you got to a place where you started kind of talking back and and mm -hmm. being defiant yes I never did that verbally ah so I was very like I would lie in the hopes of not being caught getting like cause mm -hmm. that would you know yeah. my sister on the other hand she would tell mom and dad exactly how she felt if she didn't like something that they did and mm. I would never dare um, go against anything they say because I was so desperate for them to love me and so and obviously your parents love you but I didn't feel it so I I, I was so desperate for them to I don't know not reject me mm -hmm. that I even if I didn't agree I didn't say I didn't agree I molded and morphed myself even if it was just mm -hmm. pretending yeah into what they wanted mm -hmm. to to keep the peace see I think my sister maybe did more of that like did she used to tell me why don't you just shut up just you know she she'd agree and say whatever they wanted her to say and then go do whatever she wanted to do well, that know? was me whereas me I was gonna argue about it oh no that wasn't gonna work for me I'm gonna tell you and so we were getting these you know these battles and my sister's like just shut up don't fight about it just go do it you know Isn't that funny? and so yeah so it was crazy 
but I feel like that's what happens in these codependent relationships. Mm -hmm. It's yep. not all one way. Not o not all codependents behave a certain way, but these extremes right. are codependent. Right. So the irresponsibility <laughs> and the overly responsible behaviors, they're all they're both codependent. Yes. Both exactly. of them. Exactly. And you know, so yeah. But they both begin with this um, crushing burden of taking care of others yeah of, of taking care of dysfunctional people and trying to make other people happy we're always trying to make somebody else happy mm -hmm. and it's typically a dysfunctional person that's never going to affirm you or you know acknowledge your value yes. so it's just a never-ending cycle of despair because mm -hmm. you're not going to get what you need from that person but we're still desperately trying and i've always called it over functioning yeah. um when yeah. when you're doing more for somebody than they do for themselves Mm -hmm. um, that's, you know, if you're doing that in any way, you know, obviously age appropriate. So if mm -hmm. it's children and they can't do it for themselves because they can't, that's different. But if you don't allow them and, mm -hmm. and they could learn from it, then that's, that's codependent. Right. Um, I did it in my marriage. I overfunctioned for my husband all the time. I did things, whether it's because I wanted them done a certain way or I, in, in my mind, I wanted to help. But really, uh, it was another facet of this whole codependent thing, which is where we try to control people. And enable them. And enable, yes, enable. That's probably the word yeah. of what I was doing, mm -hmm. too. That's what I did with my ex, um, too. And, you know, when you're just doing too much for somebody who is perfectly capable of doing for themselves and not, not from an attitude of wanting to help, really, it's all about the desire for us to feel loved mm. and valued and important. And I think our, our motives are important in that. We need to know what our motives are and, and, and do things from a place of pure motive. Right. Love for the other and person. And we're going to talk about that for sure. Yeah. yeah, we're definitely going to get into that. So keep that in the back of your mind. So here's a little exercise for you. Think about your own family. Let's think about your immediate family first. Who was overly responsible and who was irresponsible? Same family, same household, different responses to the weight of dysfunction, mm. okay? So, like, maybe you would say something like, I am most like blank when I do blank, okay? So I said, I am most like my mother when I criticize my daughter. And then it asked, blank is most like me when he or she does blank, right? So Abby, my daughter, is most like me when she tries to be perfect, and is a people pleaser, mm -hmm. right? So think about your immediate family, who's responsible, who's you know, overly responsible, who's irresponsible, who is the true people pleaser, who tries to um, you know, keep everybody happy, um, and just think about that. I am most like who? And I'll show it's so, oh. yours are so funny because they're so similar. So I said I am most like my mom when I pretend like everything's fine and it's not. Mm -hmm. She's good at that though. Mm -hmm. And then um, Gabby, you have Abby, I have Gabby, I know, my know. daughter Gabby, is most like me when she hides in her room and disengages from people. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, I'm what I call a super extrovert. My daughter does that too, actually. But I, I hide in plain sight. You don't know, you have no idea how I'm feeling in real mm -hmm. life. Yeah. I just disengage and, and hide in plain sight. Um, so it's, it's, mm -hmm. not, it's not healthy. Mm -hmm. 
And my daughter's the same way. She's much more introverted. I'm very extroverted. She's very introverted. So she needs that downtime. Yeah. She needs, like I'm a verbal processor. And I didn't realize this until later. That makes her nuts. Like, I can see her. Like, if I'm trying to talk to her about something, or maybe I'm disciplining or whatever, at a certain point, she just shuts down. I can just see it. I see it happening, but she just shuts down. And I need to stop talking because she's not hearing any. But I'm still determined. I'm going to make my point. She's going to hear. You know what? She's gone. That's funny. Oh, my God. So, yeah, it doesn't work for her. So I never learned that early on that, I needed to learn new ways to engage mm. with her that meet her personality, mm -hmm. not mine. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, yeah. That's so. That's, that's us. So that's kind that's of the whole the whole feeling responsible thing. So really, um, but it still ties into yeah. to this need to rescue. Yes, it does. And how we as codependents are so desperate and feel so responsible right for everybody's mm -hmm. pro we're going to solve all of the problems <laughs> right? we can't so manage like our own <laughs> homes or our own emotions <laughs> but we're going to solve uh -huh. all the problems of the world and make everybody happy right so it's like codependent like everybody rescue. we're going to make we're, like we're going to make everybody happy everybody has to be happy so <laughs> and if you're not happy our, i'm going to fix it right we're going to fix it and make it make you yes. happy so yes. um, whether you want it or not but yes but but you want it yes you do we'll convince you that you do so Getting by giving, okay? So getting what we need by giving something to somebody else to gain back what we need. So um, codependence, typically our driving force is the need to be loved, the need to be valued, the need to feel like you're, we're worthwhile, we're yes. worthy, okay? That's what drives us. That's mm -hmm. our compulsion. That's what compels it us. It is. It's a compulsion, um, which is So disturbing. we don't feel like we have this worth, value, or love that we need. So how do you get that? How do you get what we so desperately need? Well, we seek our worth, value, love, by helping others, by engaging with others in such a way that we feel like we're earning their gratitude, we're earning their love, we're earning, you know, their um, that they value us, that kind of a thing. Um, <clears throat> but the problem is, we typically do this with dysfunctional people. We don't yes. do it with these people and dysfunctional dependent people. Now we're codependent; they're the dependents are perfectly happy to let you do that. Yeah. They're happy to let it's you like come in. like they can in smell us coming yes, a mile away. They're, they're happy like, to let you come in and solve all their problems oh, somebody, and rescue them and keep them from taking responsibility yeah, for themselves. Somebody wants to do all the things and not have to do anything? Yeah. Huh. Right? Okay. All I have to do is give them some lip service and we get they, whatever. Yeah. They, they do whatever. do all the things, all the work so, and yeah. let me emotionally and verbally <laughs> abuse them? Yes. I winning. get what I need. Not, yeah, really, yeah, dysfunctional, dysfunctional person is winning, yeah. not the codependent. So no. life just becomes this balance between a person with endless needs, mm. demands, you know, needs or demands or whatever, our problems, and a desperate problem solver. That's us. Yeah. Okay? The fixer. You've heard that term before on yes. TV, the fixer that comes yeah. in and fixes everything. So it really becomes, you know, the issue between a person in need and a person needing to rescue someone. Okay? And the person in need... The question we don't ask, and my daughter and I had this conversation back when she was just out of high school, I believe, but the person in need, one of the things we don't ever ask ourselves is why are they, how did they get in that situation? Mm. Was it because of their poor choices? Was it because of bad decisions and now they want someone to come in and rescue them and bail yeah. them out? Yeah. 
and that'll enable them to continue with their bad behavior. Mm-hmm. We don't always ask it. We just say, oh, look, they're in trouble. They need yeah. help. Let me go fix it for them. Right. I'm going to go help them and fix it. But there are key questions we can't answer to determine if this is really something that they need help with mm-hmm. or if this is something, something of their own making that they need to find their own way out of. Yeah. Okay. So this is really... Um, so this part that we're going to talk about in a little bit here is going to be really important to moving forward in this whole process. So um, for the overly responsible person, taking care of other people becomes our all-consuming goal. Yes. Um, that it's is a, a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yep. And I, I, I mean, I spent years and years and years doing that. I, my whole identity was in being a, a wife mm-hmm. and a mother to five children. So, um, which is all consuming in itself, but it, when it's out of balance, when you no longer take care of yourself at all, it's out of balance. And when, um, you take your, when you don't have, when you no longer have your own identity, I no longer had my own identity. I didn't know who, other than being a wife and a mom, I didn't know who I was. You don't, dream, you don't have your own dreams. You don't have your own opinions. I didn't. Your own desires. You didn't, remember, you didn't even know what you liked. Like, I, I don't literally know. What would didn't I do know if what I had I free time? I don't, I don't know what I like to do. People would ask me what my hobbies were, and I laughed. Like, Hobby. I thought they were joking. Um, and I learned years later that that's actually not healthy. So then I started on this quest. This is going to sound terrible and dumb. I started on this quest to find out who I was and what I liked. And so I was like, I need to find a hobby. So here's what I did. Those of you who, anybody who knows me knows I am not like a crafty person in any way, shape or form, but I needed a hobby, right? So I went to Hobby Lobby because that's where the hobbies lived, right? So, well, first I Googled it and that didn't help at all because I figured eating and wine tasting weren't actual hobbies. (laughs) I have since learned that they are, but that's neither here nor there. So I went to- We can make a compelling argument for that. They are. I went to Hobby Lobby. I walked up and down every aisle, literally looking for a hobby. Left angry because I couldn't find my identity on a shelf. Like. Yeah, I, I like I. It took me. It took me years um, to to really come back into myself because I didn't know what my dreams were. And I didn't know what I liked, and I didn't know what I would do if I had nothing to do. I kept myself busy. Mm-hmm. I always had something to do. It never actually brought me any value, not personal value. Mm-hmm. It wasn't taking care of myself in any way, right? which is out of balance. And so that's the other part of it is we, when we are um, over-functioning, we are out of balance. And God is a God of order. And God is, there's balance in, in the things and he boundaries. teaches us. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had, no ba- I had no boundaries yeah. at all. I didn't either. So. Um, and so I, I learned so much about myself. One of the things I learned was that fun was really important to me. And I, because I had people around me who were like, fun? We don't, we're not here for fun. Because I, mm-hmm. I said something about, oh, our kids are having so much fun. And she goes, fun? They're not in high school for fun. I'm like, well, I mean, that's part of the experience. That wasn't important to her. Fun is important to me. I have to incorporate fun into everything I do. When we're at work, I'm still having we're fun. We're having fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's we okay. Yeah. That's okay. You need to learn what drives you and what gives you joy and fills your soul. And if you can't answer those things, you are mm-hmm. out of balance. Yes, indeed. That's a, that, that would be a journey for you to take, yeah. to figure out what you like. Now, just as, this is kind of a strange reference, but there's a movie out with Julia Roberts and Richard Gere. It's an older movie. It's called The Runaway Bride. Mm-hmm. That's all about a codependent woman who morphs into whoever she thinks the man she's with 
wants her to be. Mm -hmm. So if he's an outdoorsman guy that likes to hunt and fish, she decides she likes to hunt and fish. But the running line for this whole thing is how she likes her eggs. She doesn't know how she likes her eggs cooked because every guy she's with, however they order their eggs, she'll say, yes, I want mine the same way. She becomes the same as them. Mm -hmm. Well, she finally figures out, I don't know how I like my eggs. So she spends time making eggs all these different ways to figure out what she really likes because yeah. she doesn't know. Okay, that's codependency. Mm -hmm. So you should be able to have your own opinions. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be in a, in a relationship where someone does not allow you to have your own opinion without berating you, beating you up, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, putting you down, that kind of thing. So you should be able to have your own schedule. Someone should not control your time and your schedule at all times. You should be able to have fun. Even your boss. Oh. Sorry, I had to, I had okay. to I'm not going to work tomorrow, I'm just Shut saying. Shut up, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I said it all the time at work, but she's mm -hmm. like, shut up, Kim. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'm not going to work. Yeah. Mm, yes, she is. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, so yeah. So we, we got to believe, and, and I think yeah. we've talked about this before. Yeah. We both, in our marriages, we were both saying no, setting boundaries, made us feel really guilty, or we just oh, couldn't do it. We just couldn't. Not. It was not, to us, it felt selfish. If my, yes. if my husband and my child needed something, my whole life was in serving them and it wasn't so much about taking care of me. And so I, setting boundaries was so hard. It I felt was. so guilty about it. There was the guilt factor, and I know we're going to talk about this in, the, in, in a minute, but the other part of it for me was I, I almost said needed to. Huh. Mm -hmm. I chose to, which it felt like need, it felt like I did out of necessity, manage his emotions. Mm. to keep the peace in my house and to keep things calm in my house. So I went along to kind of manage manage emotions. I did the same. Keep my, my, my ex could have a temper and to make sure everything was okay to keep him, keep him happy, mm -hmm. keep him from any blow-ups, mm -hmm. keep him, you know. Yep. I was always managing everybody, the temperature. If that's temperature you, in the house. If mm -hmm. that's you, that is a warning right you're, now. You're that is a red flag mm -hmm. that, you're, that you're, you're, you think is normal, by the mm -hmm. way. We do. You think you know, is normal. You think it's loving. You think it's your job. Mm -hmm. You it is not your job. Right. You are over functioning. Yes. You are codependent. Yes. You are in an unhealthy entanglement. Mm -hmm. right exactly. Now. If you're in a, a a marriage or a relationship where you have children, and your husband, significant other, whatever, demands that the children be quiet, don't make noise, don't. Um, That's not even real. You know, don't do you know this out of the other thing, or or like maybe like someone I know who didn't ever like her kids couldn't ever get dirty like just that she didn't want them playing in any kind of situation where they would get dirty Aww. or they couldn't have any toys with batteries because if it made noise it got on her nerves so they couldn't have anything that made noise male or female that, that's not normal those kinds <laughs> of demands and if you're really rushing around trying to make sure your young child is quiet that's that makes them super stressed yeah you're super stressed it's an unreasonable demand it's an mm -hmm. unreasonable mm -hmm. request if, for anyone if, to make even if your house had like you know, I had little kids uh, mm -hmm. all at the same time, yeah. it, it, and uh, this wasn't a demand in my house. But I remember thinking, if some, if my husband wanted the house to be perfectly clean all the time, that would not be reasonable. Yeah. Because anytime you clean stuff up, they mess it up. So if you spend yeah. all your time trying to make sure everything's perfect in a house with with small children, that's not a reasonable that's expectation. Not mm -mm. There are going to be crumbs yes. and there are going to be toys. So, um, you know, there are things in our lives that you know our, our preferences. Mm -hmm. I, I certainly yeah. prefer to have things neat and orderly, but some things aren't realistic and we need to let, mm -hmm. you know, part of 
being healthy is letting people be themselves. Right. Part of being codependent is controlling, even if it's when we're controlling our children and saying you have to do things exactly in my way. In an unrealistic way. Okay. Um, so if we, we just believe that doing anything for ourselves is selfish, saying yeah. no to someone else is selfish. If we do say no, we feel really guilty and then we kind of obsess over it and think through it in our mind again. Yeah. Okay, here's what I said. How did that come across? I wonder how that made them feel. Oh my gosh, should I have just said yes? Maybe I should do it. You know, if you say no and then feel so bad about it or so guilty about it that you change your mind and go back, oh. that's codependent. That's not, I, you know. I think part of that is our culture in, yeah. in, in the United States. Mm -hmm. We, that is a, a, a cultural woman thing that we, you know, True. kind of, and part of it in the Christian culture too, you know, I was raised in the church. I was raised as a Christian in my, even in my adulthood. So we, we were taught, um, that the husband mattered more. I felt like I was taught that the husband mattered more than anybody else in the family. Mm -hmm. And then it was our mm -hmm. job as, you know, he had more value. And, and you know, my ex-husband was Italian. So the whole Italian culture revolves around the man. You just, you got, it's not like, you know, a lot, I think Americans sometimes, if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. In the Italian culture, it's the man. The man yeah. has to be happy all the time. It's his, you know, his home is his castle and all that kind of a thing. So um, anyway, yeah. all of that just to say, is this a problem for you? Right. Okay, think this through. Analyze Do you that. feel guilty if you say no? Is it hard for you to say no? Do you find it almost impossible to set boundaries? Mm -hmm. You know, you just can't. Um, do you just find it difficult to say no to anyone, other people, yeah. your husband, your kids? Um, even if it creates a hardship for you, even if it harms you, you will still be afraid to say no or feel guilty saying no. So um, there's a little exercise they ask you to do that I thought was so interesting. It said, so if saying no makes you, you know, or feeling guilty when you say no, um, if that's a problem you have, okay. So go and stand with your back to the biggest mirror in your house. Okay, so go stand. Like I have a big mirror behind me. Go stand in front of this um, with your back to the mirror. Now, think about a time when you wanted to say no. Someone asked you to do something or whatever, and you really wanted to say no, but you didn't. Um, do you remember that? So think about something. Have something in your head. When you wanted to say no, but you didn't, you said yes to it, knowing that it just wasn't what was best for you or what you wanted. Um, so I want you to say no to it now. I want mm -hmm. you to recreate that scene in your mind and say no, okay? Then I want you to turn and look in the mirror. As soon as you're saying no, so you've said no, I'm not, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Or I'm not going to do that. Turn and look in the mirror and think about, look at your facial expression. What does your face look like? Do you look concerned or worried or just... Does it make you happy or relieved or are you thinking, oh, I can't believe I just said no, okay? Um, what does your posture, your stance look like? Are you kind of like, uh, or, you know, um, describe how you feel inside. How does it make you feel to say no to someone? Mm. So if you feel nervous or fearful, fearful or guilty, that's a sign. Yeah. If saying no makes you feel that way, that is unhealthy it and there's no balance like a there. failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you feel like no. a failure mm -hmm. for saying no. Right. Come on. Now you should be, you know, it should not be, it, that should just be part of a balanced life. You exactly. should be able to set boundaries and say no. Yes. So, um, so from what you've described, think about that. Now, if you've done this exercise, how would you, what, what would you conclude about yourself? Do you feel like you're codependent? Do you feel like it's hard for you to set boundaries and say no to people without feeling guilty? What'd you say? I said, I am fearful and worried about the reaction 
of others if I say no, but I also recognize I will be relieved or glad if I say no because it is probably what's best for me. Hmm. You. So. I said I, I feel, okay, was it, what do you conclude about yourself? That I am unworthy of existing because Ooh. I have not done enough. Wow. Okay. That's deep. Right? That's a deep wound right, right? there. Mm-hmm. I'm not even that person anymore. I, you would never, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. You would never hear me say something like that no. now. That Mm-mm. shows such healing. That is he- That's really good. I would never be like, I'm so, yeah, not a value yeah. of existing because I don't, didn't do enough. Please, mm-hmm. you're fine. So think about that. <laughs> so how did it feel? How did you look yeah. when you did that? Th- that's so telling. This is how we learn objectivity. Yes. All right. That's a little exercise that's going to give you a glimpse into your codependency. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Here's something that I really want us to keep in mind. I think this is so, 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 so important. So um, this is a very important truth. So dysfunction and dependent people often need to be left alone to learn to be responsible for themselves. Yes. We tend to enable them, rescue them, fix them, do everything for them. People need to learn to solve their own problems. Mm-hmm. Our need to be needed can have very crippling consequences on those that we rescue and enable. People do not need to be rescued all the time, people. Your kids are not going to die if you don't save the day for them, okay? They're actually going to thrive. Right? Rescuing only helps them continue in their problems instead of solving their problems. You owe it to your children to teach them how to grow in independence and become self-sufficient adults. Rescuing is an attempt by the codependent to meet their own need for identity and their need to be needed, but it does harm to others. You are crippling your children. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) As rescuers and enablers, um, we make problems worse. You guys, we aren't, we think we're fixing it. We are not fixing it. Because basically, if you think about it, um, if you think about it, the subconscious message you're sending your child that they need you is that, they're not competent. They can't do it. Mm-hmm. They can't stand on their own. That is terrifying for a child or a, or a person to learn to think, I need, I need my parent. I can't survive yeah. in this world on my own. Well, as a baby, that's true. But I'm saying as you get older, there should be a progressive mm-hmm. um, detachment from the parent and a, and a move towards more independence yes. as a human being, as a person, with your own opinions, with your own thoughts, mm-hmm. your own dreams, you know. And so, trial and error. Yes, make mistakes. It yeah. should be, it's not the end of the world. And mom and dad don't need to run in and swoop in and keep you from hitting the ground when you make a bad decision. Let you hit the ground and learn from that. Well, and I right? feel like at home is the safe place to yes, make those, make those mistakes, mistakes. Because mm-hmm. mom or dad, mom and dad are there to help with understanding what we've learned through that Mm -hmm. process and Mm -hmm. what we could have done differently. When you are a grown up and you're flailing and trying to figure out basic things that you should have done in your whole life, you're behind. So you are really um, retarding the process of your children's growth. And that's not fair. It's, it's, I feel like it's You have a 30 year old that's still living at home and doesn't pay rent, doesn't do their own laundry, doesn't cook for themselves. You have crippled that person. That is not an adult at this Ouch. point and you have created that and that is not okay because what you've done is you have you have actually hurt them you have put them at a disadvantage you are doing a real disservice to them by not allowing them to yeah. grow up you have to we have to allow our children to grow up and become adults mm-hmm. and if we are so crippled in our own emotional need that we need them to need us 
that is a huge problem and a huge red flag. Well, that's our that's our job as parents. Yes. Our job as parents is not to raise children. Right. We're not raising people to be children. We're raising children to become adults. Adults, exactly. And so we have to give them the tools. And if we're not letting them have an opinion or or try, have this trial and error, we're not giving them the we're tools. Not. So if you're one of those that's always enabling your children, if your children are always getting in trouble and you blame everybody else, their friends, their friends as parents, the teachers, the, teachers, the police, yeah, teachers. if it's everybody else's fault but your child's, there's a problem. You might be codependent. Right? <laughs> and if you feel, if your whole identity is so wrapped up in your children that if your kids do something wrong or get in trouble, if you are angry and you try and defend them and make excuses because you feel like it reflects on you as a parent, that's a problem too, because mm -hmm. every kid's gonna do something goofy or make a mistake stupid. or be bad, do act that out. Are stupid. You need to hold them accountable, and there needs to be some discipline. But if you're just constantly making excuses for them and they never learn the word no and they never learn consequences for wrong behavior, if they never learn what it looks like to have to take responsibility for your own actions, when they become an adult, this is gonna be a problem. Yeah, it's gonna be a huge problem. They're not gonna manage themselves in a workplace. They're not gonna learn how to manage their own emotions. In a workplace, um, in a they're relationship, they're not going to be able to keep a job. Yeah, and then, yeah, they may end up in jail. Who knows? But you're not going to be, you're not going to have maintain healthy relationships yeah. either. You're either going to be, a, you know, you've heard the term about a mama's boy, yeah. you know, or a daddy's girl or whatever, where they aren't, they don't learn how to cut those apron strings and mm -hmm. stand on their own two feet. It's good to have a close relationship with your parents. Right. There's a difference there's between a having difference. a close, mm -hmm. close relationship and there's a codependent, unhealthy relationship. Right. So, you know, that's there are differences and we might call them the same thing, but you can see in the results mm -hmm. what's healthy and what's not. Exactly. So part of what we do is we become emotionally dependent, meaning um, we assume responsibilities for others' emotions. So the emotions of a codependent person um, depends on the responses of other people. Yeah. So their mood will affect our mood. So if people are angry, we might think it's our fault and we're all concerned about, oh my gosh, he's angry. How do we appease? How do we appease? You know, how do we make, keep the peace? Um, if, if someone's sad, we think that we should be able to fix them. We mm -hmm. should be able to figure make out what the problem happy. is and make them happy again. Mm -hmm. So we take on other people's emotions that aren't ours to take on. That's not our job. Everyone needs to be able to manage their own emotions. Right. That includes children and husbands or wives or whoever. Yeah. Um, but we also do the flip side of this, okay? So if we're angry, mm. then we feel like it, maybe it's somebody else's fault. Maybe my husband treated me badly. He needs to change how he treats me. Um, if I'm sad, it's someone else's fault. Someone should be doing something to make me happy. We don't take responsibility for our own feelings. Yeah. We take on others' feelings or we expect people to take on our feelings. And that's not healthy. Right. They're not responsible. No one's responsible for my feelings. And if you're upset about something, so both sides of it. So if your significant other spouse is upset and now everybody in the house is upset because we've all taken on mm -hmm. those emotions, we can do that too. So if you are upset and now everybody else in the house is upset because you're walking around screaming and stomping and throwing things and or silent really, treatment, everyone's uh, all nervous. And all of that is abusive. Stressful. Mm -hmm. All of that is abusive yep. behavior. So if you're doing, and I know that's tough to hear if you're the one doing it or receiving it, frankly, mm -hmm. yeah. but that's not how we treat, you know, this is part of managing our, we are responsible for managing our own emotions. Mm -hmm. So you can be upset and need to put yourself in time out to calm down if mm -hmm. you can't treat people properly. 
Right. Um, it's not okay for you to be mad and, and yell at everybody, just like it's not okay mm -hmm. for somebody to do that to you. Exactly. And codependents feel like they're responsible for making other people happy, but they also then feel like other people are, are responsible, responsible for making, making them happy. happy. So that's how we're controlled by others, then yeah. we try to control others. So yep. even when we talked about, I don't know if we're going to talk about this later, but um, you know, in, in our relationships where um, our, whole, our whole emotional state is dependent on what's happening at that point in time with our relationship. Yeah. If we're so into this relationship, if the slightest thing can just plummet us into, you know, depression, despair, angst, because this person isn't happy, then, you know, life just comes to an end. Or you're just on the highest high because things are good right at this point in time. But that gives someone so much control mm -hmm. over your emotions over your feelings but over your whole life but that like you waste so much time that's part of a codependent thing too like mm -hmm. a lot of codependents and not it's not everybody um see things in black and white either yes. everything's absolutely great or it's yes. horrible and terrible almost bipolar yep. that's not real <laughs> mm -hmm. like there are you know there are shades of gray it's right. it's not zero or 100 degrees you, uh, uh, you, there are different temperatures in there mm -hmm. so you need to if it's if you're again i feel like if you're dealing with extremes yeah it is extremes you know it whenever is. you're dealing with extremes you need to analyze whether or not that's a healthy mm -hmm. i feel like that's like the part of the litmus test yeah and you extremes. know anytime we're making someone else responsible for our emotions or we're taking responsibility for someone else's yeah. emotions it's a problem mm -hmm. because what happens in that case is that the, the whole idea of personal responsibility is out the window. Mm -hmm. It's gone. Mm -hmm. um, so where each person is responsible for themselves, for himself, yeah. for herself, that's kind of gone. And so that's unhealthy for everybody. So I wanted to read something yeah. out of the book here that just was so profound to me. Um, we're running a little late tonight, but this I think this is really good, important material. But I read this over and over and over because it was so much, it spoke such truth to me. It was so hard to hear. But the more I read it and the more I realized that this is true and that I did this, mm. the, the, the more I realized that I had an issue that I had to deal with for real. So it talks about um, um, Margaret Rink. Um, she wrote a book, and this is what she says. Her observation about codependency can, can speak to this. So, is not the codependent person who is acting needy, who manipulates through kindness or guilt, who controls others with smiles and by making others dependent on him or her. Is not this person equally selfish? Is it really acting out of genuine love to do things for someone solely out of fear of abandonment or rejection? Is it less selfish to control others by doing things for them that they should do for themselves? Codependent people who go into recovery are always stunned at how controlling and manipulative and selfish they have been. Mm -hmm. We don't see it. It's so true. Because we're helping people. We're fixing them. We're mm -hmm. rescuing them. And we don't see ourselves clearly anyway. Exactly. <laughs> they also want someone else to be as obsessed with them mm -hmm. as they are with the other person. Oh. Obsession is love to them. Because it becomes all-encompassing, folks. Mm -hmm. It's just all-encompassing that you get what you need from this person. And you want them to get what they need from you. Mm. You want them to need you. Okay, so continue with her quote. It says, um, obsession is love to them. And so if they love someone, they are obsessed with them and feel hurt or rejected if the obsessive attention is not returned. Mm. So is it really love to act out of fear of abandonment or fear of rejection? 
It's not. So we really need to understand, and this is difficult for codependents, what genuine love looks like. Yes. What is it? How do you define that versus this obsessive selfish love? Mm -hmm. Because if I need something from my children, emotionally, like I need them to meet my need, that is way that is out of skew. Love. That is not love. That is that is not healthy at all. Right. If I'm expecting them to meet some need I have, red flag, red flag, mm -hmm. red flag. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so I want you folks to think about that because obsessive love is destructive because it's so selfish. Mm. Because we are so desperately need to be needed that we end up just destroying the other person. We destroy the relationship. It's true. True, but painful, right? So. Um, just think about that for a minute. Take that in. Because obsessive love is not healthy. It's just selfish because we're so desperately, we need to be needed, we end up destroying the other person. And, and if you're doing that to your children, think about that, how sick that is. Yeah. And really, you know, it doesn't allow them either. Well, the other side of that, too, is what happens is sometimes we end up having our children parent us. We're going to get to that. Absolutely. Well, I feel like we oh, okay. have done all that, really. Okay. Don't all you right. think? Well, because it, what, one of the things it was talking about here in the book is it says being personally um, being personally responsible means I have accepted the fact that I am ultimately, ultimately accountable for myself only, mm. for my actions, I my choices, me. my relationships, my behavior. I am not accountable for others' actions, choices, relationships, or behavior. Think about that. So what is genuine love? Think about what genuine love really means and what it looks like. What does it look like? Maybe you've seen it in other relationships. Maybe your parents didn't have it, but you've seen it and maybe a, a relative or a family friend or something. You think, okay, I know they really love each other because. Or maybe and you're it's like, healthy. Maybe you're like me. And when I first did this lesson, I literally went, wait, 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 wait. Both of yeah. us were like, I, I don't, don't know what it feels I don't like think to be I know what love I don't know what it looks is. like. Mm -mm. I haven't been loving my children properly. I've been trying to control them. I mm -hmm. haven't, I don't think I've ever been loved mm -hmm. wholly and completely. And like, what does that feel like? I, I didn't know. I, I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know how to give it. And I didn't know how to receive it. Because I didn't was, really know. I couldn't identify it. That was a painful truth mm -hmm. for me. It was really painful the first time I said, you know what? I don't know that I feel like I've ever been truly loved in my life. Mm-hmm. Like truly, it generally hurt. healthy I remember, love. I remember I've had such unhealthy relationships. I remember ha sitting on your couch having that conversation. I know. We were just in tears, both of us, because yeah, we didn't know. Just, it was terrible. Yeah. So one of the things the book asks us is, what is genuine love? And it was such a struggle to try and figure it out. The nearest thing I came to it was seeking what is best for the other person, really wanting their best, even if it isn't what I want or need, even if it hurts me, mm. I still want them to have you know, what's happy. Yeah. Self-sacrifice, not in a martyring way, right? but in Which a way a, like with your balance, kids, yeah. you know, you have to be willing to be inconvenienced. You shouldn't have kids if you don't want to be inconvenienced, if you don't want to be, you know, um, you know, yeah, put out and whatnot. So, um, so yeah. So think about what genuine love looks like mm -hmm. and does that look like how you love other people? Yes. And how people love you. The people in your mm -hmm. life love you. Yeah. If you are not being loved that way. Yeah you're desperately looking for it. Yeah. So that does segue into your children. So go ahead with what you were saying there because that actually does make sense because yeah, if, if you if you are trying so desperately to control and manipulate what ends up happening in some instances. So some instances you're so controlling 
that you control everything. In other instances, your children end up parenting you. Yes. And they're, now they're overly responsible. Right. Now they're over-functioning mm -hmm. because you can't seem to manage to get yourself out of bed or you can't seem to manage mm -hmm. to function in a healthy way and everything makes you fall apart. And so you need them to take care of you. So you make them, your children, responsible for you as yes. the parents. And now it's backwards. Now they don't get to be children. Right. Now they don't get to make their, they don't need to do, they don't get to do the age appropriate things that children do because now they have to fill adult mm -hmm. responsibilities. They have so to make yeah. sure all the meals are, are done for all their young, younger siblings. And their siblings. kids, their siblings get to school and get dressed and mm -hmm. do, because maybe you're the irresponsible one. Yeah. Maybe you have become, you're the irresponsible one and now your kids have to parent you. And if that's you, you need to get help. And you need to stop. For you, <laughs> but they may not be able to just right? stop. You know, right? you obviously need yes. help. So get the help for you, but also for your children. Yes. Because now their emotions and their desires, they don't know what they are. You're creating dysfunctional adults. Remember, we're, ra we're not raising yeah. children, we're raising children, adults. Mm -hmm. Right. So, the, you know, you need to stop this unhealthy process and start a healthy process. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to be overnight. Right. But it starts with the acknowledgement. Right. So your role as a parent is to nurture, is to protect, is to provide for your kids. If you're demanding that your children do that for you, your roles have reversed yeah. and that is not healthy. And you may not even not say it, I, mm -hmm. I demand it, right. but your behavior Maybe it does. If you're making them assume adult responsibilities and take care of you, if they're responsible for your happiness, emotionally that, yes that is a red flag that you yeah your child needs to be able to go through normal healthy process of growing up yes you know of developing self-concept um an identity so they should be allowed and free to have their own thoughts opinions dreams feelings all of those kinds of things it shouldn't all be wrapped up in you beautiful it should not be all wrapped up in anybody else mm -mm. you manage you I manage me, mm -hmm. and that's right? how we that's live. We each manage ourselves. <laughs> so, but think about how sick this is, because when you have a child that has become so responsible for their parent, this child ha has to, out of survival, has to learn to deny control his or her childish impulses, childish behaviors, childish desires. Well, that's what being a child is. Yeah. Um, so that's developmentally appropriate. Yes, exactly. So that really stops the whole healthy process of their emotional development. Mm -hmm. So you are harming your children. Yeah. So, you know, if you're still, you know, if you have a teenager and you're still making yourself responsible for getting them up every day to go to school or you're helping them too much with their homework where, look, if they don't care if they graduate, you know what I mean? They have to have some skin in the game. If you're doing everything for them because you yeah. want them to graduate, you know, that's a problem. It's a hard thing because you don't want your kid not to graduate. But at the same time, you shouldn't want it more than they do. Absolutely. Because that's a tough, tough, tough lesson to learn. If they don't graduate, eventually they're going to, you know, they'll come to realize, look, I can't get a good job. I can't support myself. I can't pay them. You know, I can't have an apartment or a car or any of those things because I can't afford it. I need to go back to school and get my GDD or whatever you need to do. Right to do what you gotta do. So like for me, I, I, I figured out after a year of college and dropping out, I need to go back. I, I have menial jobs. If I want a job that I can really make a living, yeah. I gotta have, I gotta go back and get a degree of some sort so I can get a better job. Right. And that's what I did. So, but you know, my parents were like, okay, drop out of college, see where that gets you. Right. So if in, any, if in, in your life, you're trying to fix everybody else's problems, mm -hmm. 
or if you're requiring other people to fix you, you're out of balance. Mm-hmm. You, are, you are codependent. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we were talking about was like an example of some healthy boundaries. So let's talk about the parent who is still making him or herself responsible for making sure their teenagers get up every day to go to school or go to work or whatever. So that was one thing that we were talking about this earlier that I didn't recognize, but that's one thing I actually did oh. well with my daughter when she was about 12. I said, hey, you know what? You're, you know, you're, you're a teen, you're a tweeny now. You're a tween. You're almost gonna come into your teenage years. So let's talk about some things that you can do that teenagers would do. And one of the things they do is get themselves up. They make themselves responsible for setting an alarm and getting up every day to go to school. So I said, you can pick out any kind of alarm. Let's go to the store and find your an alarm, and you can use that. And I figured it was fun and colorful or whatever. She would enjoy it and do it. Well, she picked an egg timer for whatever reason, but she got an egg timer, we went with it. And so she learned at 12 to set her alarm to get up. And then I said, okay, now set it for 10 minutes once it goes off. So you have 10 more minutes to kind of wake up and get where you're going. And then when you get in the shower, you can set it for 20 minutes or however long to do your shower. But when it goes off, you need to get out because you have this much time to get to school. So it was kind of hit and miss at first, but she liked it because she knew that was a sign. That's what teenagers did. Yeah. So she wanted to be, you know, she was going into the teen years. So it really worked well for us, and that's how I taught her to be responsible for herself and getting herself up, okay? So, and that's about the time... That's a good lesson. I was 12 about the time my parents had me start to get myself up and learn how to be responsible for myself in the morning. So maybe it's earlier, maybe it's later. depends on your child's... Age appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know your kid. That's something you can do because that taught her that she can be responsible for herself, Right? Mm -hmm. So if you're still getting your teenager up for school, that is a sign you're codependent. (laughs) You might be codependent. You shouldn't be doing that. If if your 30-year-old still lives at home, you got a problem, and it's you. Yes. (laughs) Because you've created the the problem with your child. That's the hard realization. Um, So, yeah, yeah. So, yes. So, one of the other things, um, so really, the codependence desire to make people happy extends beyond their own family. They're just trying to fix everybody and make everybody happy. They feel responsible for everybody. Um, But we wanted to real quick talk about the difference between an entanglement and a relationship. And that's why it talks about untangling relationships. They talk about being entangled. Mm. So an entanglement is very different than an actual true genuine relationship. Mm -hmm. You may be entangled emotionally with somebody. You may be entangled, um, you may be, you know, even living with somebody excuse me, with somebody um, financially entangled, but you're not in a true relationship. So if it's not a two-sided relationship mm-hmm. where they're both partners and, and co-managing your household or whatever the case may be, the relationship is one-sided emotionally. Maybe it's more one-sided financially. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's around the house. Maybe one person is taking all responsibility for everything around the house. That is not a relationship. That's an entanglement. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there is a difference. A relationship is actually mutually beneficial. Yeah. It's mutually respectful. Mm-hmm. Um, there are reasonable expectations set and met for both, both parties. Sides. Yes. Mm-hmm. Reasonable boundaries are set and met and respected on both sides. That's a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. There's adult conversations, uncomfortable conversations uncomfortable when there conversations. are issues, but they are talked about. Feelings are discussed. Yes. Feelings are respected. And you have the freedom to discuss yes. those things. Yes. Differences are respected and resolution comes out of mutual care for each other and yes. wanting to resolve the issue without somebody having to win. 
Yeah. Okay. So an entanglement versus a relationship is very different. Oh, I have a relationship. I know you do. It's so oh great. Oh my gosh. So we've all had those as a codependent, you've had entanglements. So it's really important that you recognize the difference between an entanglement and a relationship. Okay. Um, so even for instance, in it, an example about, like I was just reading something the other day, um, this woman was really upset because the man that she was in a relationship with, they lived together, but he would not help her around the house. He would come home, sit on the couch, play computer games because he was tired. He was just emotionally drained from his hard day at work. Okay, well, she worked too. They both had full-time jobs, but she did everything, and her resentment was growing to the point that it finally damaged the relationship, and it just, that's an entanglement. That's mm. not truly a relationship because it's not, mutually beneficial it's not mutually respectful mm -hmm, it's not mm -hmm. there's not she's trying to set boundaries he was not respecting those yeah. responding to those he was not sharing equally in the in the relationship he wasn't engaged on all levels right. he was getting the benefit of the relationship without some of the responsibilities and the commitment that come with it yeah. that's not a relationship that is an entanglement, entanglement. Mm. does that make sense yeah it really does so um that's a good good um it's important to know because we i think we get confused Mm -hmm. We think our relationships are all relationships, but really, mm -hmm. some of them are entanglements. Right. And that's where wrestling comes in. Mm -hmm. If you're continuing to do this stuff for this person who isn't helping you know, around the house, but you complain about it, you're yeah. angry, you're resentful, you go to work and all you do is talk about it and whine and whine and whine, yeah. and you talk to this person over and over and over, their behavior doesn't change and neither does yours because there's no consequences. They're going to continue their behavior because it doesn't hurt them. It's not hurting them to continue to not help yeah. you around the house. You're upset. You're going crazy. You're angry. You're resentful. But there's no consequences for that person. A consequence would look like something like, listen, you know, you need to either do this or this will happen and follow through on that. Maybe that relationship needs to end. Maybe you need to move out. Maybe you need to put that person out until such time as they can, you know, pull their weight. And, choose to until yeah, they choose to. Yeah, until they choose to do it. Yeah. An adult in a relationship does. Anyway, there need to be consequences for those behaviors. So the main point of this whole lesson was that people need to manage themselves and their own mm -hmm. emotions, allow other people to manage themselves and their own emotions, mm -hmm. let everyone take responsibility for themselves. Own your own stuff. Yeah, that's a big right? one. Mm -hmm. Don't rescue. Mm -hmm. Don't enable because you're actually crippling that person. Because really what that is is a manipulation. You're trying to get something from mm -hmm. them by doing something for them or giving them something. You're trying to get something yep. from them. Your motives matter. Yep, motives matter. Thank you. That's a good motives matter. Mm -hmm. So that's what we have. Um, don't make your children parent you. <laughs> don't enable your children yeah. not to grow up. And don't you don't have to lose yourself right. in, in other people. That's not a healthy way to be. So it's a lot. We went it's over a lot, a lot tonight. A lot. A lot. Yes. But, um, and, and we'll, we'll unpack it more as we go mm -hmm. through, um, other, other podcasts and things. Um, so don't feel like you were beaten down today or it was a month. It's a lot. It's okay. It's a lot. It's, it can be emotionally draining to it go is. through this. So, it is. Um, Give yourself some grace. Yeah. We still encourage you if you haven't yet to buy the workbook and just kind of start with us and we'll go through it cause we're only on. Day three of, of unit three. So. And like and subscribe. Yes. Um, like if you have questions, put Post them in them. there and um, we'll, we'll do our best. Yeah. Know. We usually kind of incorporate them we can, into this. We can barely even get the video thing together. So we'll do our best. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks. We can't wait All to right. see you again. See you next time. Bye.